0: But if by word they mean, hey, we're going to look at God's word. I have a word of wisdom to give you from God's word, dealing with your problem. Bring it on. That's great. That's what we need. But not people who say they have a special revelation from God to give to me that I could not find in God's word would be that would be problematic. And the Bible tells you even if an angel would to give you something contrary to Scripture, let him be accursed. And so, if people have a word, it needs to come from God's word. Even an angel.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. Where I'm joined with Pastor Hayden. And we just saw you guys
0: two seconds ago. Yeah.
1: And this is Pastor Ed, by the way. Oh, hello. Hey. Yeah. yeah. We just
0: saw you guys. We had a great time with you guys at our Life Group Leader meeting. It was a ton of fun. It was a great fun. This almost feels helpful. redundant, but it won't be. It won't be. Yeah. Actually you're going to learn a lot. You're going to learn a lot from this. But at Compass, we exist. To make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill that mission of reaching, teaching, and training.
1: Well, Pastor Hayden, normally I introduce the current series that we're going through, but since it is a new series, tell us a little bit more about this new series that we are in.
0: We're looking at the birth narrative of Christ uh, through uh, the uh, perspective uh, or the writing of the Apostle Matthew. Uh, and uh, we're going to look at four sermons throughout this birth narrative. It's going to help us see uh, the way that Matthew portrays Christ as the king that has come. Uh, and we're going to see that played out through, obviously, the, the virgin conception of Christ through Mary. Um, Joseph taking him uh, as his son, which puts him in the uh, line of David. Uh, even as we look through the proper worship, even as the wise men and the people who worshipped him, and uh, even as you still see the seed of the serpent pursuing the life of, uh, of uh, Jesus, even as you see throughout the Old Testament, you see that line of uh, narrative continuing even in the life of Christ all the way until uh, Jesus uh, settling uh, in Nazareth in his early childhood Life. So we're going to look at all of that throughout this next series and how it truly does apply to every day of our life.
1: All right. Well, the first sermon of your new series of, well, the Bible series, It's not really our series? It's the Bible.
0: The Bible series. Yeah.
1: The title was The News, and this came out of Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, where essentially, to save some time on the reading of the scripture, uh, Joseph was thinking about divorcing his uh, fiancee. Uh, Mary, an angel, a messenger of God, told him, don't do it, and Joseph obeyed. There
0: it is. There you go.
1: Well, the main thrust of your, uh, the main point of your sermon was that unexpected events are often God's providential way of revealing his plan and require us to seek counsel from his word so that we can walk faithfully amidst uncertainty. And before we dive into the teaching points, Pastor Hayden, I know something you said in the 9 a.m., and I think it would be helpful for us life group leaders to know uh, more about more about this, is if we don't do this, essentially we won't be in the will of God for our life. Do you want to unpack that statement more?
0: Yeah. It really says, failing to respond in faith to God's unexpected events could cause you to miss out on God's will for you. Uh, and, and this does happen every day in your life, so I don't, you shouldn't overemphasize uh, the... The fact that this happens, you miss out on God's plan for you every day that you don't disciple people, every day that you don't share the gospel with someone, because it's God's will that none shall perish. So if I'm not taking part in the plan of God to see people come to know him, then I am missing out on God's will for my life. Uh, And so... But even more than that, yeah, you can't be missing out on bigger, big life events. You know, I think about even our life. It's so easy because we we do have lives of ministry that are vocational. Pastor Evan, if you wouldn't have said yes to come to the Hill Country to be a, one of the pastors on staff here, you'd have been missing out on God's will for you, and you could have easily said no because of things going on in your life. Yes, and so it's like, yeah, I mean, failing to respond in faith to God's and you didn't expect me to invite you to be a pastor on staff. Yeah, if That if, was a God's unexpected It was event. very
1: unexpected. I, I lived a life of God throwing curveballs at me so right. that when this k- time came, I was prepared to have my yes on the table, even though before you even asked me, I said, I'm never living in Texas. Right. And then God unexpected said, oh event.
0: yeah. And to say no to that would have been missing out on God's will for you. So there's, it, that's really
1: to unpack it right and there. And that was actually the deciding factor for Candace and I to go, mm. was the fact that we we thought about this. We said, when we see updates from this church, we will feel regret because mm-hmm. we realize we disobeyed God, and that we could have been part of what God has been will be doing in the Hill Country, Texas, and so that's why we went, and that's turned from a, we still obeyed God to now seeing the joy of obedience, to be able to not only witness people grow, not only to witness people get saved, but even to lead people to Christ myself, and be a part of God's will in our lives.
0: Consider it unpacked. Boom.
1: All right. Well, point number one, Pastor Hayden, was for us to plan for God's unexpected events. And not so much about for us, but we're not going to have the same practical maybe steps where maybe our spouses and say, I am with child and it's from the Holy Spirit. Mm. But we're going to be more like Paul in Acts 16 uh, that you brought up the Macedonian call. And you mentioned the two ways for us to plan for God's unexpected plans is to have our yes on the table and to be ready to have our no to our plans. How did Paul do that in Acts
0: 16, and how can we lead our life groups this week to do the same? Well, like I was saying in the sermon, obviously they went through the region of Phrygia, Galatia, and they were trying to go throughout Asia, and they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go to Asia. So obviously his desire was to go to Asia, and he didn't. And then they were trying to go to Bithynia, and again... The Spirit of Christ did not allow them practical, probably mostly probably practical things in nature. It it, I don't think, I think it would have said otherwise if it were anything divine or uh, supernatural. I, w- I would probably say it that way instead. Uh, and so as they were continuing down the way that God had told them to go west, uh, he saw the vision of the Macedonian call. And then, concluding that God had called them to preach the gospel in Macedonia, they went. And so it's really clear there that they wanted to go east and God had called them to go west. And so to put your yes on the table, like I've said in the sermon is simply saying, God whatever it is, regardless of the practical implications, I'm going to put my yes on the table and I'm willing to say no to going east when you've told me to go west and I've know how you tell me to go i know you told me to go west because you have made it clear in your word and in the biblical counsel of other people that this is what I ought to do. All right, well, point number two is for us to seek counsel from God's word.
1: And as life group leaders, we're gonna ha- we might have people in our life groups that might vary on how you know, the, have a word of the Lord from you. Some people are going to be a little bit saying, nope, or some people are going, okay, yeah, let me hear more. But you give us two very practical ways to seek counsel uh, for unexpected events. One is having God's word on on us. I mean, having our Bibles nearby, especially on our phones. and In our hearts. And in our hearts through memorization of his word. But also to seek godly uh, people. I guess two questions. First, how can we help lead our life groups in the, giving them practical steps to do this? Even though it seems practical, but sometimes I think our groups need the extra practical step for them. And then secondly, how would you address someone who says, well, I have a word from the Lord and you should test it through Scripture.
0: The best way you're going to help your life group uh, discern God's will is to have a regular pattern Bible reading. We do the daily Bible reading at our church. Uh, any way that you can get them in the Bible regularly, they're going to they're going to understand and discern God's will much better because the Word of God is the will of God, and we've got to be able to know it to do it. And uh, having godly people who also know God's Word to do it, it's going to help other people know God's Word and do it. And so having God's Word and God's people working uh, together in the people of God, I always say the people of God uh, using the Word of God, uh, how do I say it? The, it's the Spirit of God working through the Word of God and the people of God uh, allows God's will To be obvious in in our lives. We can have people of God because people of God are given to us uh, for a reason, and we ought to use them as a stewardship to us, that there are people that can speak God's Word into our lives. But the second question you ask, uh, when people would come up and say, I have a word uh, for you, I mean, I have an inclination of what they mean by a word uh, but I'm not necessarily against the idea of a word of God, because there is the word of God. And so if you got a word from me, let's just look, open up God's word and, and see where it is, and maybe you can give me some wisdom on what's going on in my life. But if by a word from the Lord means that you have some kind of special revelation uh, that isn't revealed in Scripture, that you're saying God has spoken directly to you about something that I ought to do, I uh, will have some raised some great concerns about the fact that God is, number one, giving more special revelation on top of a closed canon that is a Bible that's already completed because if you believe that God is speaking revelation to you, then it would be special revelation because it's from God uh, and that I don't have access to it would be a big problem meaning that God has not given me everything that I need. I have to have you in my life uh, to give me special words from God that he has not given me elsewhere. See that could be a problematic because now that person is now my uh, conduit to speaking to God. So see, here's see, you already see a growing problem with that. Uh, but if by word they mean, hey, we're going to look at God's word and have a word of wisdom to give you from God's word, dealing with your problem, bring it on. That's great. That's what we need. But not people who say they have a special revelation from God to give to me that I could not find in God's word would be that would be problematic. And the Bible tells you, even if an angel would to give you something contrary to scripture, let him be accursed. And so if people have a word, it needs to come from God's word, even an angel. All
1: right. Well, there's an, one more question within that point. Something you mentioned at the nine o'clock was the fact that why expository preaching and teaching is so important you know, from the pulpit and in the counseling room. And this might be actually helpful, uh, time for us life group leaders to even to mention to our life group maybe during the fellowship time or even within uh, the time during questions okay why do we teach the way that we teach and I know you had a sermon that you did on that uh, during is it the, the prophet of preaching yeah was it the summer it was the August I think okay the prophet of preaching but why is expository
0: teaching and preaching in the counseling room and from the pulpit so important because all we're doing is looking at the text of scripture which is God's Uh, God's Word given to us divinely as the Spirit was uh, guiding, superintending through the apostles and the prophets uh, His Word, and they had written it down for us uh, to have as God's revelation to man. And so I need to make sure that whatever I'm doing and whatever counsel that I'm giving or that anybody's giving is from God's Word because that's how He has directed us to live according to His Word, and my opinion isn't part of that or my view of things isn't part of that. And, you know, people even, you know, and, and most people probably mean it in a a non, uh, what's a negative word for, they probably don't mean it in, in a way that's condescending or, or not. But people always say, can I get, what, what's your thought on this or what's your opinion or what's your view of this? And I'm like, oh, you know, people ask, you know, can you give me some, what's your, not well, even in counseling, they don't ask for my counsel. They'll ask for my opinion, and I'm like, I don't have an opinion. What we have is God's Word, and I can give you some biblical counsel on this, and we can apply it, which could come with me giving a little bit of my thoughts on how to apply the Word, but the Word of God is the Word of God, and uh, that's not an opinion or a thought or a view. It's just God's Word, and so I've got to make sure that everything we're doing, whether we're preaching or counseling, Or meeting somebody for coffee, that the counsel they're getting is called biblical counsel. It's from God's word, and it's helping us uh, tackle the big topics in life with God's uh, objective propositional truth.
1: All right. Well, thank you for that. Well, point number three was strive for immediate obedience. And Pastor Hayden, I think one of the most practical things as life group leaders that we should walk through our life groups this is going to come towards the end of your sermon where you talked about the practical well not to use practical reasons to defend our delayed obedience. How can we as life group leaders help lead our life groups in that?
0: The best way that I have been able to lead people uh, is understanding that everyone 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 is born into sin. Right? <laughs> I mean And because everyone's born in the sin, uh, I understand that sin is a problem in everyone's life. And the implications of that are, I understand the temptation that people are going to make excuses for the reasons why they don't do things, because we're sinful people. Too many times, I think what we do as Christians, and especially Christian leaders, is instead we give everyone the benefit of the doubt all the time, or maybe we even don't doubt, but we give people the benefit of the doubt, saying that it probably has nothing to do with sin. It probably has to do with just the situation they find themselves in. And so, because of that, we we validate other people's excuses for why they don't do things because of blank or whatever it is. And so, as a pastor, I can see through that by saying, no, we're all prone to wonder, and we're all sinners, and we're all we all live with the, with the constant desire to gratify the desires of the flesh and not the spirit. And so when a practical thing happens and people are missing church or don't go to life group or they're not, they're not uh, living in a, in a godly way in their marriage or their kids are just unruly and crazy, it's like, you know, it probably, you may have these practical excuses that, are, that you're living in that make this the case, but the case is probably just because you're not obeying God's word. And I've got to be able to look through that and help actually with the problem and not uh, help you continue the problem by continually saying, well, they have a reason why it's happening. Well, of course we do. We all have a reason why everything in our life is happening, and we can probably make more excuses of why we're never going to fix it. Or we can look at God's Word and say, regardless of what the reason is, we're just going to obey God's Word and leave the practical things, leave the implications to God.
1: All right. Well, life group leaders, I hope you are more equipped for this week's life group leader meetings, gatherings, just life groups. <laughs>
0: well, we have uh, several application questions this week. Eleven. Is there's only <laughs> And you don't have to go through all of them. Don't feel like you have to do every single one of them. Just know they're there to for you guys to use them to disciple your group. Well, speaking
1: of direction, what other direction should we take with these particular questions you have written up this week?
0: I mean, like I was saying, you don't have to go through all of them. I mean, look at them. Maybe have some that you say, We got to get to these. I think these are going to be helpful. I know the needs of my group. I know where they're struggling. Let's go through these. Uh, and maybe say, yeah, the, the rest of these are good. Some of these are good. Maybe we don't need to, to do those, though. If we have time, we can go back to them. But know that you have 11. Pick a few. You have, most of you, you spend about half an hour going through these questions. So you're not going to get through 11 questions in half an hour. Uh, you're going to spend less than three minutes on each question, which is not enough time to apply them to your life. And so pick a few uh, that you think will be helpful for your group and then go through them together.
1: And something that Candace and I have been doing lately that we've enjoyed was actually do we do the questions on Monday? We have a Tuesday night life group and on Tuesday we discuss them again. And then we talk through how does our group need to apply these questions? And so, um, this is actually a little helpful thing for you to talk through your other life group leader for men. If you're, if it's just you and your wife to talk with your spouse and if you have co leaders to talk with them to say, Hey, which questions should we make sure that we hit for our particular group? Great. All right. Well, as promised life group leaders, we have a training portion for you guys. We're going to focus on biblical counseling and we're going to do a six part series on not just on counseling in general, but on particular areas of, counseling and the goal of this is to equip you as life group leaders to be able to counsel other people as christians if you're a christian you are actually required to give biblical counsel romans fifteen fourteen is the verse that we talk about that paul says i myself am satisfied about you talking to the roman church my brothers That you yourselves are full of goodness, meaning God's righteousness, filled with all knowledge, meaning who God God is in his word, and are able to instruct one another. And so he's commending the Roman church that, hey, you know God's word, you know how to apply it, and you're doing a great job. And that's what we want as a church as well. It's not just the pastors that counsel people. It's all Christians that counsel people. And so... The the pamphlet I wanna go through, it's a six part series on Jay Adams pamphlets. And the first one we're gonna talk through is what do you do when anger gets the upper hand? And uh, anger is definitely something that's prevalent through the church, not just our church. And there's two wrong ways to handle anger, as J. Adams will break down. Uh, first is ventilation. You, this is the pe- person who just blows up. It, it just ex- uh, releases his anger towards other people and other things. And this looks like verbal anger, physical anger, and just a loss of self control. And the second way is internalization. They might not look like they're blowing up, but if someone's clamming up their Just releasing energy towards themselves. And how does it look like? It looks like they're bitter, resentful, and they're rehearsing old wounds over and over. Both of these people are sinfully angry. Uh, Pastor Aiden, do you have any comments on those two types of anger as you've seen in your own counseling? What's two? Uh, Either ventilation or internalization. People who either blow up at people or people who just store it up and are just bitter inside.
0: Yeah, I find That tr- that usually men are the ones who who blow up quickly, and the women are the ones who often uh, keep it in and then blow up later. Uh, although it's not explicit to one or, or the other gender, but you know they're they're both they, uh, it says it they're both equally as sinful. Like that you can't do you can't do either one. You've got to make sure that you're handling your anger in a godly way. And when you give that when you go f- give full vent to your anger, it's not saying well at least I'm being honest and I'm being transparent. Or the person who doesn't and holds it in can't be the one like, well, I wasn't going to say anything because, you know, but I now I'm mad because I just let it go for so long. Like, you're both sinful. You both did the wrong thing. There's a biblical way to handle it. And what the danger is, and this, what pamphlet warns
1: is, The danger is you don't wanna swing in too far the other direction. For this person who's ventilating, they'll just swing to bitterness. The person who's bitter just swings to ventilation. And it needs to actually be right in the middle. The proper way to handle anger, and this pamphlet spells it out with a wonderful chart to show you, is to release anger towards the problem. As Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. As you can, but it needs to be directed towards the right place. The solution is, all of us need to turn to god we need to know his word and know what it says about the situation that that we face so uh, last week you mentioned like i just want to yell at my husband or yell at my wife well i need to live with them in an understanding way i need to love my wife as christ loved the church knowing god's word will help you redirect your anger in the proper place it's praying for god to give you the strength to control your anger it's to act in trust that god will give you that Strength to overcome your anger, remembering First Corinthians ten thirteen that no sin, sin will, uh, no temptation will overtake you. God is faithful and will provide the way of escape. And to properly handle anger is to focus on God's glory. And this is the caveat that for all counseling, that only Christians can do this because God is in them. And so, all counseling to a non-Christian is just evangelism. It's pre-counseling in a sense, Uh, Pastor. Aiden, one one quick comment from you: How have you found, you know, even just practically, as you you met with non-Christians and Christians, and why is it so important to make sure we got to talk, preach the gospel at both people, especially to the non-Christian?
0: Well, if you're trying to biblically counsel a non-Christian, you're not trying to counsel them. You're trying to make them a legalist, and you're trying to make them somehow be right and be right with God apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's just legalism. They can't do enough right things to make life right. Uh, They have to turn from their sin and place your trust in Christ. And then being then endowed with the Holy Spirit as a down payment for their salvation, they can then be empowered to uh, sanctification through the work of the Spirit in their life. And so anything less than that, you're trying to to lead them to uh, something that uh, leads everybody down the wrong path, and it's legalism. And you don't want to, and that's funny because no one ever thinks about it that way, but you are. Don't make them a legalist. Make them, uh, lead them to trust, turn from their sins and trust in Christ.
1: All right. So how can you use this in just counseling? One, this is a great assignment to say, hey, let's talk about this, read this pamphlet, um, and to be able to converse with them before you maybe go deeper in a different book on anger. And it's a... It's a good resource for both sides of the the coin, the explosively angry person and the person who's just the quiet, slow burn, bitter person. It's a great, helpful resource to confront them about their sinful anger, but also lead them to the hope of the gospel. And where can you find this resource? Well, we have some of them for free for you. So you can ask myself or Pastor Hayden or the admins. Uh, they say I would, like, um, I would like one to read through. We have them at the church upstairs in the offices. So uh, feel free to grab one and, or ask for one. We'd love to give it to you so that you can read it and help lead your life groups and other people to uh, biblically handle their anger correctly. All right, Pastor Hayden, we have a, only
0: a few announcements. Uh, what are the announcements that we have this week? We have uh, not very much. we podcasts. Just make sure you continue reminding your life group of the many podcasts that we have available for their further discipleship. Then we have a men's breakfast on November the 12th. We want to encourage all the men to be there as we look at 1 Thessalonians 5 uh, and talk about being temperate and talk about attitudes and anger and conflict. There's a great opportunity for us to dive into God's Word and see that. And then we have Exploring Compass starting next Sunday and the Sunday after that. And so let's make sure that anybody who in your group who hasn't completed Exploring Compass, that you would encourage them to sign up so they can begin uh, serving and, and being plugged into our church as, as a functioning member. All right, church, feel grateful for you life group leaders. We look forward to hearing how your life groups go this week.